0: Welcome to the Array of Faith podcast where we shed light on the beauty of our spiritual and religious differences. I'm your host, Jay Dana Trent, professor of world religions and critical thinking at Wake Tech Community College in Raleigh, North Carolina. The Array of Faith podcast began as a way of connecting with Wake Tech students and beyond during this difficult time of pandemic. As a teacher of almost 10 years, I enjoy bringing guest practitioners into my classroom to help shed light on textbook academic theory and give students an opportunity to connect with real life practitioners. Due to the pandemic, we've been unable to invite guest practitioners into the classroom. So we began a ray of faith as a way of connecting with their stories, experiences, and hopefully enriching students' lives in the process. Welcome back to the Array of Faith podcast. I'm your host, Jay Dana Trent, Professor of World Religions and Critical Thinking at Wake Tech Community College in Raleigh. We have a very special guest today, Dr. Charles Breton. Dr. Bretton is a professor at Guilford Tech Community College. Dr. Bretton is the co founder and co host of A Jew and a Gentile Walk into a Bar Mitzvah podcast. We'll link to that in the show notes. Dr. Bretton has a doctorate of education from Nova Southeastern University and has taught literally everything from English composition, to business, to education, to scuba diving, to life-saving, and he's taught many different age groups, middle schoolers, high high schoolers, undergraduates, and graduate students. He is a teacher of many, many decades. He is our Jewish practitioner this semester, and Dr. Breton is very familiar with Wake Tech. He comes frequently every semester to our college campus and visits our students, and we are so excited to welcome him back and congratulate him on his 120th episode of a Jew and a Gentile. Dr. Brett Mazel Tov and welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you. This is, it's always an honor uh, to speak to your students. I know they get very well prepared and uh, this is a wonderful format for expanding, especially under the conditions. So uh, thank you very much.
0: Oh, thank you so much for for being here. And and the students always love hearing from you. And I know that this this semester will be no different. They will be very excited to hear about your journey because we had our first two practitioners, Gauravani Das and Dr. Heather Sanderson. Gauravani is actually here with us today as our co-host and producer. And Gauravani and Dr. Sanderson are converts into their tradition, Hinduism and Buddhism. You, of course, were born into Judaism. So tell us about your spiritual and religious journey.
1: Well, it I've always been fascinated by that question when people ask, because I don't know if, if Jews think of it in the same way as a lot of other faiths do, particularly in Christianity. Um, yes, there are times where um, Jews may feel more or less connected to their to their faith as they go through life but I think everybody does for me uh, I and if people go to our website in the introduction I wrote that even though my parents are both Jewish I consider myself a Jew by choice uh, which means that I'm not Jewish by default uh, I have consciously made the decision to live my life Jewishly. Uh, Growing up in uh, a fairly observant family, my parents felt that Judaism and understanding how to live Jewishly was important, and and being active in the practice of our faith was important. Uh, My mother was in the sisterhood and was very, very active in our synagogue to bring us to Shabbat every Saturday because she was there preparing mm-hmm. the uh, food for after the service for everybody. Uh, my father was active, he was on the youth committee. We had to go to uh, religious school. Uh, but for me, something very early on in my life just clicked. Um, and I think it's partly being uh, neuroatypical. Mm-hmm. Uh, But I think Jewishly, I've discovered over the years, and so the Jewish view of the world and how things operate um, clicked for me, Mm -hmm. and so it is something that I've chosen to do uh, since I was, you know, 14 or 15. After the the requisite, your bar mitzvah at 13, Mm -hmm. um, I said, No, I'm going to keep going, Uh, and the way that my faith journey has continued is through not just the continual practice but through study which is <clears throat> also important in judaism has always deepened uh, just my love and appreciation for the faith for how it views the world for how it views our role in it uh, and so it's always been a constant in my life uh, one story that i tell is as an undergraduate of studying Philosophical approaches to literature and some of the most influential people I was reading were um, Cloud Levi Strauss, um, Jacques Derrida, Roland Barth. And I was reading and it, it all made sense to me, and my non-Jewish peers in the classroom were struggling. And that's years later, I discovered that all of those philosophers that I was reading was Jew were Jewish. And it clicked like, oh, now I get it. Even though they were studying secular texts, they were approaching it Jewishly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like just the fact that you could question a text Mm -hmm. and you could question the authority of who wrote it. Mm -hmm. That really blew the minds of of my Christian peers because they were taught never to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, Oh, of course you do that. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's right. called Judaism. Uh, and, and so it just reinforced that, you know, this, this is how I think, and this is how I view things.
0: Oh, I love it. So I, I love the way you phrased it. You, early on, you realized that you had a very Jewish view of the world, a specific lens, and it all clicked and made sense for you. Mm-hmm. Love that, and, and perhaps it's, it's a product of, of course, being, being born and raised Jewish and having an active family. But also you mentioned, you know, just within your own mind, it made sense, your mind, body, spirit. And mm-hmm. so question, you know, heading into our curriculum so that we can unpack this a little bit for our students as you've done many times. We use um, the Oxford University Press book, Invitation to World Religions, which offers a three question framework of ultimate reality way of life and ultimate purpose. So Mm -hmm. according to your Jewish view, we'll start at the beginning. What is the ultimate reality? Where do we come from according to your Jewish view?
1: Well, in a very Jewish way, uh, I actually have the short answer to all three of those questions. Oh, okay. And then I have the long answer. Okay. So the short answer for where do we come from, the way of life and ultimate purpose, Mm-hmm. is we were created by God, the way of life is to live ethically, and the ultimate purpose is tikkun olam. Mm. So that's the short answer to all three questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the long answer, so well, where, do, where do we come from?
0: Students, write those, write those three things down. All right, Dr. Breton, will you repeat those one more time? Because that's yes. what you said.
1: So um, ultimate reality, where do we come from? We're created by God. How do we live? We live ethically. And what is our ultimate purpose? It's tikkun olam, which means to repair the world.
0: Beautiful. And so in in a nutshell, that's the summary. And it makes perfect Mm -hmm. sense. And the students are just learning this. So let's unpack it one by one. This is Mm -hmm.
1: great. Yeah. So um, Jewish perspective, where do we come from? Creation story. Um, Pick one. We have several. Uh, there's two in the Bible. There's two in Torah. Um, if you read it carefully, not everybody realizes, but there's two creation stories. Uh, but the, uh, the gist of it is that um, the only thing that is ever, always, and will ever exist is God. Uh, in the mystic Kabbalah tradition, God is referred to as the Ein Sof, which means without end. And it's through God's will and concern for people that God created our world. Uh, One of the misconceptions people have in talking about uh, the existence of God and where God came from is mistranslating the first word of the Hebrew Bible, Bereshit, as in the beginning. The prefix B has several meanings in Hebrew, and one of them is at the beginning. So... The Torah also, in a very um, cinematic way, begins uh, mise en scène. It begins in the middle. Mm-hmm. Just because the first word is beginning doesn't mean that it's the beginning of everything. It just means our beginning. So, we we believe that God existed before that beginning. And then there are, you know, in in Torah you have the. Uh, you know, and God saw the water's void and he separated the water and the firmaments and the heavens and God said and all that. Um, none of that is literal. Um, Jews have never taken Torah literally. So there's lots of different interpretations of how that happened. One of the ones that I love and it, when you think about it, absolutely matches the Big Bang Theory. Mm-hmm. Although science and religion do, are not in conflict they do not answer or offer answers to the same questions they offer different answers to different questions but i know that there are people who insist that they you know you have to pick one so again in in the mystical kabbalah tradition there's a view that um, the entire universe is uh or before we existed the entire universe was the total expanse of god there was nothing else. Yeah. And um, God wants to create uh, humanity in us. And so in order to make room for creation, God had to contract God's self from a certain part of the universe in order to make room for creation. Mm. And then God injected God's self into that space. Mm. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, doesn't that sound like the Big Bang where all of a sudden everything goes boom and there's all of this stuff out there that's eventually forming into worlds and galaxies and things?
0: It does. It does. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then a, a, a point to hold in mind because it relates to the last question. So in the, so the Kabbalists say that God uh, injected God's self through a divine light and through that, because it was so powerful that that light splintered into millions of pieces and that it's our job to go collect all of those pieces and bring them back together and finish creation. Wow.
0: And that's the Tikkun Olam part. And
1: that's the Tikkun Olam part. Yeah.
0: Which literally translated from the Hebrew means?
1: Means repairing the world. Mm-hmm.
0: so So bringing back together those those shards of shattered light
1: and these things are all connected because the other part of creation is not just the beginning part but the end part in Judaism we believe that um, creation did not end it has not ended Mm -hmm. again in the Torah at no point is excuse me does it say God finished creation It just says that on the seventh day, God rested. Mm -hmm. So nowhere does it say, and God finished and said, all right, that's it. And this is the transition into how do we live and then our ultimate purpose, because we see ourselves as human beings as being in partnership with God in the act of completing creation.
0: Yes, exactly. And so then the everyday way of life is a part of that. And what for our students Mm -hmm. um, who maybe perhaps haven't met a Jewish practitioner or haven't had an extensive conversation with a Jewish practitioner, what does that look like in everyday life?
1: What that looks like is living an ethical life. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, the, The Jewish Bible, Torah uh, is not a, well, it's a sacred text in the sense that we believe that it was inspired by God, Mm
0: -hmm. but it's
1: not a holy text as other faiths use that word, um, nor is it a moral text. Mm. Um, It is an ethical text Mm. because everything in Torah is about relationships. Mm. Mm -hmm. There are sections that are about our relationship with God. There are sections that deal with our relationships with ourselves, our relationship with the world, the physical world, and then relationships with other people. And in each of those, the Torah lays out, what are our ethical responsibilities in those relationships? Uh, You know, and, and that those relationships are, um, Mm -hmm go both ways so you know god has an ethical relation uh responsibility to us but we also have one with god we have ethical responsibilities with how we treat ourselves we have ethical responsibilities with how we treat the world and how we treat others so all of those 613 laws they're all laws about how do we interact with god Um, how do we take care of ourselves Uh, we have Laws about how to treat the world. When is, you know, what to plant, when to plant it, when to give the your fields a a year off so that they can regenerate. Uh, you know, all that environmental responsibility, and then uh, our responsibilities to other people. Uh, having one law for ourselves and the stranger, taking care of the least amongst us, um, being ethical in business. Uh, all these things come from our most sacred texts. And so to live Jewishly is to live this ethical life uh, and to live the way that God has commanded us to live. And that's the other part of it that's slightly different in Judaism from some other faiths is that all these responsibilities, they're not optional. Uh, It's not, hey, you know, it would be really good if, you didn't oppress people and you took care of the widow and the orphan and the elderly and the stranger. No, we're actually commanded to do it. So it's an obligation. We're obligated to live life ethically. Charles, I have a, I have a follow-up question. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you summarize um, Jewish thought and commentary on Um, how we should live in the world today, given, you know, what we've seen in terms of history of, you know, the industrial revolution Mm -hmm. and kind of globalization and, you know, how it often seems like there's, it's actually very hard to live ethically. I mean, so much of the services that we get on a daily basis involve some form of oppression or exploitation, um, so it can seem it can seem just very difficult um, you know to live ethically in in some of the simplest ways but how what um, how are Jews thinking about this now yeah. they're great question. Um, they're thinking about it the way that has been thought about it for really thousands of years. Um, the other terms for Torah, besides just the five books of Moses. The prophets and the writings, we also can use that to include all of the commentary, uh, what is known as the Mishnah and the Gemara and the Talmud. So these have been issues that the rabbis and and Jewish sages have been talking about for thousands of years. Uh, So the first thing is we have some things to look back on, Mm -hmm. but also I agree with you. Yes, it's not easy. Uh, And again, nowhere in Judaism does God promise us this is going to be easy. Mm. Um, That's the whole point of the chosenness. Ah. Uh, Jews were not chosen by God because we were somehow special. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: We were chosen to live a very specific way of life, this ethical life and God, let us know, it's, this is not going to be easy, but I want you to do this because I want you to model this behavior. Um, Judaism's great with pedagogy, by the way.
0: Uh, yes. So for our students, explain what that, what that means. I, I love that word. but uh, yeah,
1: it, It's word. the theory of, theory of teaching and learning.
0: Yes, yes.
1: And, and one, of, one of the things you learn as, as an educator, and definitely as a parent, Mm -hmm. is modeling the behavior is really important. Mm -hmm. So usually we were chosen to model this behavior. And uh, to get back specifically to your question, though, about how we do this today, excuse me, the first part of that is recognizing exactly what you're saying. This is not easy to do. However... It doesn't mean you shouldn't try. Right. There's a, uh, from Pirkei Avod, first chapter of the Talmud, you are not obligated to complete the work, but neither are you allowed to abstain from it. Wow. So we go into it, eyes wide open, knowing that this is really difficult. And yes, the modern world has made it that much more so. So I think, what to take from it. What Judaism would say is, look, you, you can't back away from the world, even though like in every faith, there are sects of Judaism that refuse to engage in the modern world, but Judaism is supposed to be done in the world. So don't back away from it because mm-hmm. it's so hard. Mm-hmm. Do the best you can. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, be... You know, wherever you can be more conscious of where you're buying your um, food or your clothing or whatever, um, then do that. And if you have the wherewithal to make certain choices, go ahead. Um, another thing to put with that is um, I'm, I'm engaged right now and we could this could be a whole other podcast. There's a, a relatively new Jewish tradition called Daf Yomi. Where Jews around the world read one page of Talmud a day.
0: Yes, that's right.
1: And it takes seven and a half years to read the whole thing. Wow. But one of the major d- conversations in Talmud is whether the rabbis are being lenient or stringent in the application of a biblical commandment. And one of the through lines is that they're stringent with the wealthy and they're lenient with the poor. Mm. They're saying if you have more means, if you have the ability to not buy your food at this place that uses lots of pesticides and destroys the world, because you have the money to pay a little bit more for the local sourced, organic, non-oppressive labor farm, Mm -hmm. then you need to go do that. Mm -hmm. But if you can't, if the only place you can get your food is some place where it's questionable where they get it. That's fine. Yeah. Wow. So Judaism recognizes that while we all have these obligations, we don't always have them, the ability to to meet them at the same place. Yes. And and that's also why um, we look at and I'm going to bring up our favorite <laughs> philosopher.
0: Yes, good.
1: Rabbi Moses uh, Maimon Ben Moses. uh, or Moses ben Maimon, known as Maimonides for the Greek speakers, Rambam for the Jewish speakers. Think of of the mitzvot
0: Mm -hmm.
1: as a ladder with 613 rungs. It's impossible to perform all the mitzvot. Some of them can only be done at certain times. So you can't do them all. And don't be concerned that there's somebody who's doing a mitzvah above you. They're higher up the ladder or that there's someone below you on the ladder. The point is be on the ladder. Mm. And sometimes in your life, you're going to go up the ladder. And sometimes in your life, you're going to go down the ladder, Mm -hmm. but stay on the ladder. So the long answer to your question is you've got to be conscious of it, be intentional and do the best you can.
0: Very well said. Thank you for that. And that actually leads perfectly into our last question. And you've covered much of it, but I I think even bringing it home to super Mm -hmm. specifics, um, we are not obligated to complete the work, nor uh, nor can we abstain from the work. And we are on the ladder for Tikkun Olam, repairing Mm -hmm. the world. So what does it mean In a pandemic, how has the pandemic affected your, to go way back Mm. to the beginning, Mm -hmm. um, your Jewish view of things, and also practices, beliefs, community? What does this look like when when things, like you said, they're never easy, but when they really become strenuous for such a time as this?
1: Mm. So... The first thing I understand about tikkun olam is it has a goal. Uh, the goal of completing creation and repairing the world is to bring about what is in Judaism referred to as the end of days, mm-hmm. the uh, or the world to come, excuse me, where everything is perfect and complete and there is none of this suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I think with the pandemic, keeping your eye on that goal is really hard. <laughs> uh, you know, why are we bothering? Because every day something else keeps happening. So one I would say is is keeping in mind why we are doing this work. Um, and Judaism is very interesting. We, yes, we have an eye toward the future. We hope that and we pray and we work that this um, world to come will happen in our lifetime, but we're also realistic that it probably won't. Right. So we're also very much rooted in the present. And that is making, you know, repairing the world even in small ways can make even today better. Mm. Uh, and if you look at the the totality of, of Jewish learning and and uh, all the, the the mitzvot, yes, some of them have big, huge implications. But a lot of them are just very small things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the the hardest part in the pandemic and the the advice I would give is even the small things are important, mm. and that you don't this. I'll give the advice I got from my uh, dissertation advisor Mm -hmm. that I've shared with many a student. uh, Mm -hmm. And that is, she told me, just get the dissertation done, save the world tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Not every act you do needs to be the one that's going to save the world. But even that smallest act is a step towards saving the world. And that's tikkun olam. It's not these big, grand things that we do. Uh, just being nicer to somebody, um, being nice to yourself, uh, you know, treating yourself a little bit better, that moves us toward tikkun olam. Being a little bit more patient with someone, with a student. I know you're going through this, doing the distance learning. Um, we've had some... Technology um, mess ups at our school, and just you know, this idea of you know giving our students a little bit of grace, uh, knowing that they're struggling just as we are, so maybe ease on your um, uh, late assignment policy. Mm-hmm. Okay. students
0: are smiling really
1: good right now. Yeah. (laughs) Right? You know, so it's it's not, oh, I can't do away with all my assignments. You still have to show me that you're understanding. But, okay, I'll give you an extra hour or two to get it in. I'll, you know, when I grade it, I'm going to have in the back of my mind, you know, you may not have had access to all the material online because you share a computer with five other people in your house. Mm -hmm. Uh, or where you live has really bad Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take that into account while I'm grading.
0: Right.
1: And those are the, that's tikkun alum. That's ethical relationship. And I think at this time, it's even more important to do it. Um, and so focusing on those little steps that we can take, I think, is a way of moving through this time because if we do look at the totality of what is happening, it is overwhelming. Uh, and so for, for me, in my faith in Judaism, it offers me a way of getting through that by saying, no, no one expects you to fix everything. But what is in your control? What can you fix? Um, Judaism invites you and commands you to live life intentionally. And I think that's even more important today. Be very, very intentional with all of your interactions with others, including yourself.
0: That is so well said. Oh my goodness. Uh, and our students need to hear that right now. I mean, I can, mm-hmm. I can tell, I mean, I've always known this, but you, you're, you're such a teacher to the core of your heart and mm-hmm. student. I mean, we've talked about that lifelong learn, life learning journey here, mm-hmm. but what wise words for us. I mean, I'm so grateful because we always end as you know, in our classroom with what advice do you have to offer our students on their Mm journey? And I think you've just given it (laughs) like, you know, it's the small things, you know, you can save the world tomorrow. What's in your sphere of influence today, Mm -hmm. Be intentional about embrace yourself and one another. So well said that that Mm -hmm. is a beautiful example of, you know, living, living my life Jewishly, as you would Mm -hmm. say.
1: Yeah. Wow. And I'll, uh, I can state it even better by um, the great sage Hillel, another great mind. It's a story in Judaism. Jews are great storytellers. Yeah. Um, there was a certain king who challenged all the religious leaders that if they could explain the totality of their faith, standing on one foot, he would convert his entire kingdom. Mm-hmm. And everyone refused to do it. Because they said it was impossible, uh, including the other great sage of the time, Rabbi Shemai, who said, that's impossible, I can't do it. But Rabbi Hillel said, I can do it. So while standing on, this is the totality of Torah, while standing on one foot. What is hurtful to you, do not do to others. The rest is all commentary. Go learn.
0: Oh, well said! Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for this wisdom. What what an inspiring, energizing episode! We're so grateful for you, and thank you for being here. Thank you for being in our classroom when we when we have our seated classes, and we look forward mm-hmm. to your return to that that environment as well. We are so fortunate to hear from you. Dr. Breton, thank you so much for your time, for Array of Faith. And we look forward to, to seeing you in person soon. Um, mm-hmm. Until then, may we all do our, our little part of, of Tikkun Olam and repairing the world. Thank
1: you very much.
0: you. This is the Array of Faith podcast, shedding light on the beauty in our faith spiritual and religious differences. I've been your host, Jay Dana Trent, Professor of World Religions at Wake Tech Community College in Raleigh, North Carolina. Thank you for joining us.